totally dry. No water. 50 meters above the bottom of that lake, you could see houses and you had just mud dried out all the way up the slopes of that lake. That's Søren Vilshøi, a hydrogeologist with Rambol in Denmark. Only he's thousands of miles away, standing at the bottom of Folsom Lake, a reservoir in California. And he's not seeing much water. It was really amazing or terrifying to see this dry lake and basically the consequences of using way too much water, combined, of course, with the climate change and the droughts. You see, for most of the past decade, California has experienced a severe drought. Among the many dreadful consequences has been the depletion of fresh water available in rivers, lakes and reservoirs, such as Folsom Lake. Here, as in many places around the world, a combination of climate change and urbanization means that cities are facing severe water shortages. As a result, Californians have started depending more heavily on water located underground. But pumping water from underground can create new problems, like in Ho Chi Minh City in Vietnam, where the ground is sinking. And managing underground water supplies can be tricky. Until recently, underground water supplies were something of a black box. Assessing how much water was left involved quite a lot of guesswork. In the last 20 years, however, Danish geophysicists and geologists have developed technology that enables us to see what's down there, where the water is, what's happening to it, and how much is left. I'm James Clasper, and you're listening to Ingenuity Talks, a ramble podcast about ideas that can help solve global problems. In this episode, we'll hear about one of the new tools developed in Denmark, a helicopter carrying a hexagonal fiberglass antenna. And we'll see how getting a clear picture of underground water supplies can help authorities manage their fresh water supplies before they run dry. Why did you become a hydrogeologist? I was very fascinated about this black box you have under the surface. That's Søren Vilshøi again, the Danish hydrogeologist who was alarmed by the absence of water in the Folsom Lake Reservoir. For more than 20 years, Søren has consulted cities on water resource management. And today, he's the global director of water resource management at Rambo. I am hydrogeologist of education engineer. And I did a PhD in inverse numerical modeling of groundwater resources. Since Søren started out in the 1990s, his field has changed considerably. When I started more than 20 years ago in this sector, it was very much traditional way of thinking. You looked at boreholes, you were making very rough assumptions in order to put it into a hydraulic model and make the simulations. Now, with much more detailed information, you can get much better pictures, you can know much more exactly how the water is floating. We'll get back to those underground pictures and hear why they're important later. But first, let's take a look at the state of water around the world. The problem is that we have much 
higher stress on the water resources now because we have urbanization. The cities are growing so fast all around the world. It creates a huge stress around these urban areas in order to provide enough uh, water for both for the industry, for the people that live there, and of course for the food production near the cities. What's more, droughts have become more frequent and more severe around the world. Take South Africa. For much of the last year, amid a three-year drought, the city of Cape Town appeared to be approaching day zero, the point when at least a million homes in the city would no longer have any running water. That would make it the first major city to run dry. For a future perspective, it's just getting worse. 14 of the world's 20 largest cities are experiencing water scarcity or drought. If you go to more dry regions like in the Middle East or in India, there's been an abstraction of water, both from the surface water and the groundwater, which means that the balance is no longer there. They've taken more water out, more fresh water out of the system than uh, what has been created over the last years. Okay, let's pause for a second and consider how water is created. Roughly speaking, as you probably know, there are three types of water. Groundwater, we have surface water, and we have salt water. And of course, all three types are connected. Basically, you have the uh, rainwater coming down, and it seeps into the ground, and then it runs off into the streams, and the streams goes into the sea. Fresh water supplies tend to come from surface water and groundwater, depending, of course, on where you live. In Denmark, all the drinking water comes from groundwater, but that's not the case everywhere. It really depends on where you are in the world. If you go to the US, most of the water comes from surface water, where groundwater is only sort of a basic um, supplement to the surface water. So, with that in mind, let's go to sunny California to look at their water situation. You see, this is one of the places where authorities are looking into new ways of solving the problem, which is, well, absolutely necessary. You see, for most of the past decade, the Golden State has experienced a severe drought. Basically, due to climate change, we had had very low rain content over the year. To complicate the situation further, the state's agricultural industry has had an increasing need for fresh water supplies. There's also been a huge change of what crops do you go for in the agriculture, which means that some of them are much more water-consuming than in the past. California has turned into a market leader on production of, of almonds. So all in all, there's been a much higher abstraction of water, both from surface water and from groundwater over the last years. With surface water running out, California's farmers have relied increasingly on sources of fresh water located underground, what's known as aquifers. But as too much water is withdrawn from aquifers, it can create a range of new problems, some of them irreversible. Let's take a closer look at these aquifers. Aquifers are essentially giant pools of fresh water underground. Some could be a few meters beneath your feet. Others could be lurking deep underground When you take too much water out of an aquifer, there are a number of consequences. It could, for instance, cause the ground to sink as you lower the water table. The aquifer can actually collapse. Sometimes this becomes visible as houses subside 
and cracks appear in the pavement. Overdrafting aquifers could also change the chemical composition of the groundwater. If you let the water table go up and down all the time, there can be minerals, heavy metals, that suddenly are released, and then suddenly you have a water quality issue here. And then there's a problem known as saltwater intrusion. This occurs in coastal areas, like California's Monterey Bay, when so much water is drawn from an aquifer that salt water lying below the aquifer seeps up into it. Yes, due to density, the salt water goes from the sea and actually floats under the fresh water. A natural process that we don't want to interfere with. If you start extracting water, you will have the salt water coming upwards. And the salt water is going up 40 times more than the lowering of the fresh water on top of it. Essentially, this happens because salt water is denser and the pressure change triggered by the depleted aquifer above it causes the salt water to intrude into the freshwater aquifer. Californian authorities are well aware of this problem and are now taking measures to use water more sustainably across the state. In 2014, Governor Brown enacted a Sustainable Groundwater Management Act, SIGMA, which tells people out there to establish groundwater sustainability agencies who should develop plans on how to reach sustainability. That's geologist and geophysicist Max Halkier. It's basically about understanding the aquifers and, and the variations in precipitation and the water use and in that way come up with a plan on how to reach sustainability. The goal is essentially to create a plan within the next year to two years, depending on uh, how depleted your aquifer is in your subbasin. And those plans will need to be able to show how you will achieve a sustainable use of groundwater in your basin 20 years from now. That's Ryan Olwood. I am helping to spearhead the new water resources division for the United States for Rambal. He's a California certified hydrogeologist who lives in the state's capital, Sacramento. So the Sustainable Groundwater Management Act, it's, it's basically a law that went into effect in 2014 that allows um, local control of groundwater subbasins and there is a framework that these subbasins need to follow in order to achieve sustainability and, and create a plan to achieve sustainability. In California, before Sigma, if you, if you had property and you put a well in the ground, you would be able to use that water. So you could put a well in the ground and, and use it for whatever you wanted, essentially. Um, now with Sigma, the, the different stakeholders are going to have to keep track of how much water they're using. There weren't actually um, laws that required groundwater users to record how much water they're using. And now with Sigma, in order to create the framework to achieve sustainability in 20 or 22 years from now, people are going to have to start accounting for the water that they use. So currently, um, we, are, we are building a practice in California where we are hoping to work with groundwater sustainability agencies to help them develop their groundwater sustainability plans or different elements of their groundwater sustainability plans. 
as uh, Max will end up telling you, you know, we're also using geophysics out here in California throughout the state. And we're using the geophysics to help people figure out where they can put recharge basins in order to get water back into the ground. And we're also using um, geophysics to look at saltwater intrusion. So I won't spoil it. So I'll let Max tell you about that. Max has been to California many times, working with Rambo to map the underground aquifers. Yeah, since uh, the last two to three years, I've had a focus on, on California and, and more specifically on water resource management. To be able to manage our fresh water supplies sustainably, it helps if we can get an overview of where our water is. And the first step is to map it. Surface water, you can see, of course. But underground aquifers? How do you find them? Traditionally, hydrogeologists have done this by drilling a series of boreholes in the ground. Basically, they will go and drill a couple of holes and then get information from those holes and then they will make some assumptions. So they will have to rely on, yeah, borehole information. This method is time-consuming and expensive. It also requires a little guesswork. In the last 20 years, though, Danish geophysicists have been looking into new tools for mapping underground water without drilling boreholes. And one of these new tools is called SkyTem. Simply put, it involves a helicopter flying very close to the ground and firing off electrical signals. Stick a pin in that, though. We'll come back to it shortly. First, a little history. SkyTem was developed in a country with a lot of groundwater. In Denmark, we have had a program going on for 20 years where the purpose was a bit the same. We should map our aquifers and come up with plans on how to protect and secure high water quality for the future. So we started adding a small fee on the water consumption. That financed all these activities in order to find out what is the right uh, way to get a more sustainable groundwater management. So we started up this 20 years ago, and now we have this very good picture of how the water looks like, or the surface, subsurface looks like. We think, from a Danish perspective, this is a very good export now. We have the knowledge, we have the knowledge on how to find out about this hydrogeology in a very cost-efficient way. And we can go now to California, joint forces with different companies that have been a part of this Danish groundwater mapping, or groundwater sustainable groundwater mapping, system and go out and offer our services to California, it could be to South Africa and other places in the world where they have exactly the same problems that we had 20 years ago. So as part of the work that you've done in California, there was a collaboration with Stanford University? Yes. We started this Danish team of uh, companies to go with the Danish Minister of Foreign Affairs and created a Water Technology Alliance, BTA, going out to different utilities, different counties, talk to them. We also came in touch with some universities, and Stanford was one of these universities that really went in and said, well, we see you have some fantastic ideas. How can we implement that in California, taking into consideration that California is not looking like Denmark? You have to fit it into the Californian way of having data, having geology and stuff like that. But both Stanford and us 
had this idea that the technology, the techniques we're using in Denmark can be transferred, slightly modified. So Rambo has been involved in several projects in California, mapping the groundwater there. And they're using a range of methods. One of the Danish tools they've been using is the SkyTem method. But let's take a closer look at this method and see how exactly it's possible to map underground water without drilling boreholes. So you can compare it to an MR scanner, as you know from the hospital, where we can look into the subsurface without having to drill or in any way um, get into the grounds. The SkyTem method was developed by a research group at the University of Aarhus. Before joining Rambo, Max was part of this group, and he later co-founded the firm SkyTem Surveys. Now, he's using the method with Rambo. If you are on the ground, you will hear the helicopter getting close to you, and then you will see this very, very large antenna, and you will feel like it's nearly hitting you. And then, after a few seconds, the helicopter is already gone again. The helicopter flies about 30 meters above the ground and carries a very special piece of equipment. It's a large hexagon-shaped antenna. It's 300 square meter in size, and, and it's hanging about 100 feet below the helicopter. And it's just hanging there, tangling around. So it's, it's just above the treetops. The hexagonal antenna is made of fiberglass, making it very lightweight. And when the helicopter is flying there, it transmits an electromagnetic signal. As the helicopter flies back and forth over the Earth's surface, the SkyTem system fires these signals into the ground roughly every three meters. The signal when walking on the ground is similar to when you are having your cell phone in your hand. So it's not a strong signal in that aspect. But even though the signal is able to penetrate down to the subsurface, down to maybe a thousand feet and even under good conditions down to 1500 feet. What it measures is the resistivity of the material in the ground. In other words, how well an electric current flows through the material. So then we afterwards will have to convert those resistivities into hydrogeology. And that could be that we need a relationship in between resistivity and clays and resistivity and sands or resistivity in sand and saline water. So that's what we do afterwards in our interpretation phase. And from that data, Max and his team are able to create 3D maps of what's underground. And it will create pictures that they have never seen before. And it might create a lot of ahas where you see, oh, this is why we have saline water in this area. And oh, I didn't expect to have that much fresh water in the other area here. Suddenly people say, ah, that makes sense. That clay land's going there. That's actually why we have the water situation as we have. That's Søren Vilshøj again. And and you get this aha experience. We've seen examples where they have been out drilling a well and say, ah, we just drilled it 20 meters deeper. We actually come back to the aquifer. It was not the bottom layer. It's just the clay lands that we stopped there. Maybe five meter, 10 meter deep, but we thought that was the bottom, but now we can actually see, no, it's connected deeper with the sand aquifer. From these maps, authorities can get a much clearer view of what's going on underground. And that's a very useful tool when it comes to managing fresh water supplies. Now, when we have 
on our geophysical service and develop our hydrogeological conceptual models, we can provide them with a much better estimate and understanding of what they are dealing with so they don't just act without knowing what the future will bring. Among other things, SkyTem has been used to determine soil conditions and to map saltwater intrusion. On the basis of the 3D overview, authorities can plan ahead and they can see where there's a need to limit water use. Simply turning off the tap is rarely an option. Very often, if you have agriculture, you cannot just shut it down and say no water for you. Sorry, guys. So we have to find other solutions. Authorities can also pinpoint where they can refill aquifers, a process known as infiltration. One of the solutions is to find a suitable place where we can actually take some surface water when we have excess surface water in the rainy season and recharge the aquifer. So SkyTem is determining a spot to store water and then it's about diverting water to it? Yes. There's different ways of doing it. Either you can just spread it on the surface where you have a field where you know this is a good spot for infiltration. So, for example, the water could be diverted to a field of almond trees. Take the water, let it seep out through the crops and then uh, down to the soil. That could be one area. You can also have a, a basin which is uh, constructed where you know this is an area where it's very good infiltration. Fill the basin up and let it slowly seep down through this basin bottom into the groundwater. Or you can also make some wells that you actually pump the surface water into the soil. So yes, this technology paves the way for new solutions too. Getting very detailed information about how the geology looks like can lead to some more creative ideas and, well, let's do it in a different way. It's, it strikes me that one of the, the interesting things about the technology we've been talking about and, and the consequences of using it is that, that this technology gets closer to providing people with an understanding of something which they very rarely think about, where does water come from, and probably take for granted. So do you see the technology and, and how authorities can use it as a tool for getting across? You know, like it, It's bad, and, and here's one way that you may not even realise it's bad. I think it's so important to have that awareness campaign. Absolutely. I think it's important to help educate people. That's Ryan Olwood again. I do believe that so many people turn on their faucet or flush their toilets and they don't realize what goes in, what kind of people are out there working so they can have the luxury of drinking clean water out of their tap, you know, and flushing their toilets. You need to know where the water's coming from in order to really do something about it. We've seen it on the energy that people have been told the consequences of climate change. So people start saving energy. You need to have the same awareness of where the water comes from. We have a limited resource. And if you overexploit that resource, then you have environmental consequences. Talk about water as a resource that we have to take care of. You've been listening to Ingenuity Talks, a ramble podcast about ideas that help solve global problems. It was produced by Lulpo in collaboration with Rambo. The sound design was produced by Christian Mondrup. Head over to Rambo's Ingenuity homepage for links to the different topics we discussed today. My name is James Clasper. Thank you for listening. <laughs>